Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. Well, I'd love to welcome everybody back to the Deepen Podcast with Pastor Joby Martin. I'm Jonathan Vinky, and I am here with Pastor Joby. And on this episode, we're joined by our very special guest, Jeff Moore. Dum, welcome, dum, Jeff. Dum, dum. <laughs> hey everybody! Great yeah. to be with you. Uh, we've been in this uh, three-week series. The next thing, it's been pretty great. And uh, for those who were not here at church, Jeff came and performed the song that we've been talking about. So thank you for that. You're Jeff. welcome. Very privileged. Um, we uh, I wanted to talk about the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's obviously where. Wait, first, can we talk about Jeff Moore being here? <laughs> so did for sure. Did you grow up in like '90s youth group? I feel like you yeah, did. Okay, I, did. I mean, I'm older than you, but. I remember the first time I would just mention to our, because he came on early as a worship guy, right? right? And I would mention that I'm going hunting with Jeff Moore, and everybody would go, in the distance, right? And I'm like, same guy. <laughs> yeah. So for me, seriously, I know we're buddies now, right. so it's a little bit different. But I legitimately, I talked about it tonight, I was the guy that would load up the mm-hmm. church van full of kids, and we would go to Night of Joy or whatever you were playing at. Right, right. And sing home run and listen to my I listen to his heart and I do all the things man right, right? and so then years later to have you here like at our house it's yeah. really cool and I would just echo that man to say I mean we met right at the beginning of your of 1122 Correct. as far as in the original Walmart right. I mean I think there was still some sale price signs around <laughs> and uh and then just to get to journey with you as a friend and then also like I said tonight on the platform you know really this church has been a huge part of my family's life as we watch online and worship mm-hmm. online so mm-hmm. and I have history with a bunch of guys Michael Olson and I go way back to Nashville days and so it's just he and I were talking tonight about how crazy it is just the way God's kind of brought this full circle mm-hmm. I love it you guys both share a love for the great outdoors that, that's how you we do that's how you got connected it so is. yep talk yep. a little bit about what you do as, sure, as a hunter. Yeah, man. Um, you know, when I was at the very peak of my music career doing 150 shows a year, just, you know, burning it, I heard, I heard a phrase the other day, you maybe said it and I just forgot to credit it for it, but uh, I wasn't burned out, but I was overheated mm. is the phrase. And I thought, you know, that's an interesting way to put it. And so, and I'd grown up in the outdoors, but I got away from it as I was so busy and I just kind of made a commitment and an effort to slow down and mm-hmm. get outside a little bit more and uh and then that really impacted me i started bringing some friends on a few outdoor trips mm-hmm. and one of them was a pheasant hunting trip in south dakota and a buddy of mine uh west stafford who's been here at 1122 the president emeritus of compassion international said hey what would you think about maybe hosting some trips that we're compassion was involved in mm-hmm. and one of those early trips they brought a young pastor from Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how Joe B and I met, was in a little house, in the basement of a little house in South Dakota. Mm. Can you guys think of a moment? I didn't start hunting until later in life. You're welcome. S- sadly. <laughs> Thank you very but much. you're good, man. For one of many things that I owe <laughs> gratitude to you for, yeah. Pastor. I love uh, taking you hunting, man. That's awesome. Uh, can you remember a moment early on, like maybe the first one, where you were either hunting or outside and you were like, this, I'm going to do this forever. Like, is there a special moment that comes to mind 
outdoors or hunting related. That- so for me, I grew up in it. Yeah. Like, uh, like the Incredible Hulk and Daisy Duke were beagles for us to go rabbit hunting. So I can't. <laughs> Now, and I was in the first grade. So I cannot, I do not have a memory of not hunting. Huh. But when you move around and do church work, you like lose it all every time you yeah. move. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but when I began to connect, um, like writing sermons and that kind of thing, I was with Lars. Lars had just bought some property up in Camden County, and I was sitting in a tree stand. Um, and this is, you know, the smartphone changes things too, because I could get to a Bible app. Mm-hmm. And somebody sent me this really long, like, thank you email, and I read it in the woods. And I mean, I just cried and Mm. cried. And I just remember thinking, I don't think I would be crying at my desk. Like, there's Mm. just something different. I was so overwhelmed with gratitude. The whole gratitude list thing Mm. hit me in a tree stand. Mm. Like, I I was reading my Bible and just felt overwhelmed watching the the, the world wake up and the birds come in. Mm. Maybe that's why I got into bird watching and stuff now, but... (laughs) But it was that. But somehow about 10 years ago, I began to connect. Like, I think I can write sermons better mm-hmm. in the non-air-conditioned air mm-hmm. than I can at my desk with all the tools at my hands. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it started early, and then it, it, it was something that God really laid on me about a decade ago. And then it's also super cool the way our church has like really embraced that whole I write my sermons from a tree stand thing. Mm-hmm. In fact... If my schedule's a little off or I'm not preaching a weekend or if there's some reason that I'm in and around Jacksonville on a Monday morning and everybody knows I'm supposed to be in the stand, literally, like if I were to walk into Walmart or Publix and somebody, they're like, why are you not in the stand? We need, <laughs> we need you in the stand. And I'm like, okay, I appreciate it. I'm going this afternoon. Oh, well. I, would, I grew up, same thing. I grew up hunting and fishing. It was always in my blood. But I don't, I don't think I've ever told you this. I can remember... Uh, Going deer hunting one time, same thing, sitting in the stand. And I had uh, I was on the road, and I came from a show to this place where I was going to hunt. And it was right at dawn, and my ears were ringing from the show the night before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was like, all right, this is the most different place. Like, wow. this is as far as I can get from where I was, whatever, 12 hours ago. Right. And, uh, and I knew that for that time in this like weird place on stage I needed more time like that in the woods. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of, I think the time when God was like, come on back to this part of your life. So yeah. another of my favorite Jeff Moore songs is called Find Me in the Field. Mm-hmm. And everybody should go stream slash download that right now. And it was one of Bradley's favorite songs yeah. too. Yeah, And it's a, it is a song about the, I mean, I'm telling you, you wrote it, <laughs> but it is about how, like that sanctuary is created mm-hmm. by yeah. God's creation. Wow, it's yeah. really, really good. One of the things you told me early on was the word. There's a word of those that wait for the Lord is this is the same word of like waiting. Because when you're waiting, it's not like you're just kind of like hanging out waiting. It's right. not like waiting in a doctor's office. Yes, it's like waiting with great anticipation yes. to pounce. That's yes. what those who wait upon the Lord. Yes, is an active thing. So it's similar to hunting. You are waiting with great anticipation that at any mm-hmm. moment it might be time for you to do the thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so cool. All right. Well, now can we go to the Garden of Gethsemane? And uh, mm-hmm. all right, I'm happy to go back. <laughs> so speaking of being there, uh, you mentioned it in, in your sermon, but uh, I've had the privilege. I th- I mean, you're, you've probably been there as well. I have, yeah. How, how is being there? How how was being there physically and like seeing it? 
seeing the relationship to the city, how did that impact your understanding of this account? So um, going in general to the Holy Land, you know, put your Bible in 3D, mm-hmm. takes it from black and white to color, all yeah. those things. One of the things that constantly got me, everything's so much closer mm-hmm. than you think about. Right. Yeah. Because in our, you know, for us, if we're like, we're going on a day's journey, well, you can get to California in a day, right? right. <laughs> for them, that's like almost to Jericho. Like it's mm-hmm. it's real close. So places like Bethany, it it's, I mean, it's just over the hill of the Mount of Olives. Mm-hmm. And from the Mount of Olives to the Temple Mount, I mean, it's less than a thousand yards, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know. I feel like I could shoot an elk that far. And mm-hmm. so from the Garden of Gethsemane, first of all, I knew it was on the Mount of Olives, but you don't know where. Mm-hmm. But it's at the base of it. You've been there. And the thing, the first time I got there and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm trying to read it like I've never read it before. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus says, see, my betrayers are coming, mm-hmm. and you can just look up. And again, man, like if you're on one mountainside and there's the Kidron Valley, mm-hmm. and then up the other mountainside mm-hmm. is the eastern gate of the of the old wall, which is all blocked up because the Muslims think that'll keep Jesus from once he descends. Right. It's one thing. They're like, we don't believe him at all, but just in case, let's block this wall up. <laughs> and let's put a bunch of graves right <laughs> Yeah, it's it crazy. Because, so anyway, yeah. but you could then begin to like see and hear and yeah. smell that Jesus would say, all right, wake up, boys. Yeah. The hour has come. Because he could literally see yeah. anybody exiting, especially at night, especially with torches, and especially a bunch of soldiers. The other thing, too, is we think mountains. We think like the Rockies or yeah. the Alps, but it's really like hills. <laughs> So don't think huge the side of a huge mountain. It's really like the incline across the little river. Yeah, you know? I'm not. I'm, I'm not here to say that the Sea of Galilee was a disappointment because <laughs> amazing things sea. happen there. But yeah, see, right. they're using sea pretty. It's kind of Lake of Galilee. Let's <laughs> be honest. Right. But it and I would agree with Joby. It was the because I guess people walked everywhere, right? Yeah. And so it 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 has kind of a neighborhood sort of feel yes. to it and. But and the thing I remember about Gethsemane too is all those old olive trees oh, yeah. that are in there, oh, and I don't know. It was just of all the places we went. There's some places that are like this might have happened here, and it was in this area. But man, of everywhere we went, that garden was the place that I was like, this to me feels like I can envision what yes. took place here in the yes. most realistic way. Yeah, and they discovered that olive press there. And yes. I mean, there's a lot. Yes. Yeah, I did. I did steal. A twig off of one of those oh, trees. So just, just, <laughs> but I probably can't now. Um, I remember first learning about that word Gethsemane, meaning the place of crushing. Uh-huh. And I had never heard that before going there, that there were three different presses. Right. You know, and then I was, just, I was like, you know, because yeah. he prays three times. Um, I think it's Pastor Britt who references this this thing that. It's a quote, not from him, but it's a, when God wants to use a great man, he takes him and he crushes him and uh, leave room for the crushing. So uh, how, how have you experienced, I think we've talked about a little bit about this maybe last week, but how have you experienced that crushing in your life? Um, I said it tonight. Some people will say like, this is my Gethsemane moment. There right. is only one Gethsemane. Only one endured the full wrath of God. So... Mm-hmm. Um, Probably, you know, one of the things that I'm, you and I more privately talk about this, my life is so blessed. I keep waiting for some like crushing thing. And that is not gospel, man. Mm -hmm. He's a good dad. He's not just waiting to crush you. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. But one of the most life-shaping things for me is the summer 
after I surrender my life to Christ, I come home and my parents begin actively divorcing, mm. and it was brutal. Mm. It was it was brutal. It's mm. always brutal, mm. and it was, and it was right on the heels of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, you've probably heard me say this girl gave me this counselor at the camp gave me a Bible with a bookmark in it, and I don't think I read it at all when I first got home from camp. But then when my when my parents were splitting up, I went to it like, all right, God. Right. And she'd put a bookmark in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, mm-hmm. and I know all the theologians will say people take it out of context, but I can right. tell you, it meant a lot to me sitting on my bed reading that he had a purpose and a plan for my life, mm-hmm. and he, and it was not to kill, harm, and crush me. Mm-hmm. It, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was it. It shaped me a lot. It probably shaped a lot of the reason I did student ministry for mm-hmm. fifteen years, right? Because there's so many kids walking through that kind of pain, you mm-hmm. know. So I get it. I can empathize with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say for me is probably the passing of my dad. My dad died when I was 19. Mm. Uh, I was a freshman in college. Um, I was just starting to explore music. So I don't know what I've played thousands of shows and, you know, my dad never heard me sing. Mm. And, uh, I I hope that there's some, you know, eternal economy where he's aware, I hope. And, you know, and I certainly have worshiped in spirit and truth. So if he joins the you know, who knows, but hopefully. And, uh, but that deal was, you know, he was like the patriarch of our family. Mm-hmm. And when he died, I didn't really know what faith was mine and what was right. just kind of me under his tutelage. And I was in college and, uh, and man, that was like that season right after he died was like a super hard time because the first funeral I ever went to was my father's. Oh. So, you know, I'd been spared any kind of real suffering and growing up wow. and, but man, you know, he loved Jesus and I got to see kind of this outpouring of people that loved him. So I began to understand some kind of legacy in the way you lived. Mm-hmm. But I remember, even though he never heard me sing and didn't really know about my calling into music, you know, he deeply encouraged me that success was following what you feel like God had for you, mm-hmm. no matter what it cost you. And so really when I surrendered to, to like music ministry, I didn't even, music wasn't even on my, in my vocabulary. It was just a kind of a God, whatever you want me to do. Mm-hmm. And it was really that I think going through my father's death and kind of having this most important human relationship mm-hmm. taken away and then just seeing how God kind of you know that I mean his grace really is sufficient mm-hmm. for because mm-hmm. do you have stuff like that you look back in your life and you're like how did I survive that right. like how did I get through that like I didn't have a, <laughs> my faith wasn't that strong but God's grace increases I think right. to meet you in your moment of need and so that was a time when a real refining time for me and certainly there's a lot of lessons that you glean from those moments that you come like you look back later and you say that was a crushing that was a preparation uh, can can you think of a a key lesson that that season taught you, whether it's dependence on God or or a trust, a deeper trust in Him? You know, as you look back, I mean, what, one of the things that I took away from that was that, like, I was on. I didn't realize how important personal happiness was to me mm. until something so devastating happened to me, mm. and I can remember wondering, like, will I ever be like? truly happy again. Well, I ever like laugh and just be like, cause there was just this yeah. weight of loss and grief on me. Mm-hmm. And I think the, one of the processes that came out of that for me was that 
personal happiness is not what I'm chasing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm chasing after Jesus and whatever journey he takes us on. I, and I need my pastor brother to break down kind of the difference between happiness and joy because mm-hmm. joy increased in my life that had very little to do with how good a time I was having. But I think through that brokenness, I realized that there was like this joy that would transcend tragedy in your life. And that's something I've really hung on to. That's crazy to hear from you because you were like, you're a good time waiting to happen, bro. Right. I mean, like that's at true. a fire pit, this is the guy you want. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, seriously, it doesn't, it's not just all like jokes and stuff either. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's there's the, um, a real peace. And I think that's why so many people are like want to sit around a fire pit with you. Mm-hmm. And it is a good, it's for sure a good time, but with some real weight and depth to it, too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's Chuck Swindoll that says that, by the way. It's when God wants to do an impossible <laughs> task, is. he finds an impossible man and he crushes him. Mm. Leave room for the crushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything, yikes. Yeah, really. Um, how do you know? Like, so, so somebody's listening out there and they're uh, experiencing difficulty, and it can be a little bit of a mind bender when you're thinking, is this God's crushing something out of me or is this a suffering caused by something else? Could you give guidance to anybody who'd be in that position, like wondering that? Uh, yeah, man. It's, uh, you probably won't really know until you get through it and look back. Right. But there's a few things you could ask. Do you have some trusted, wiser, older, elder types in your life mm-hmm. that you would be willing to say, is there a log in my eye here? Mm-hmm. Is that what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, is there unrepentant sin in your life and you're just rationalizing with yourself why that is not causing you this pain? Mm-hmm. Honestly, man, you're the only one that can that can admit truly admit that. Mm-hmm. The crazy thing is, regardless of whether it comes from demonic attack, the fall, your own stupid behavior, other sin against you, mm-hmm. It all sifts through the hands of the mm-hmm. sovereign king of the universe, and he wastes no pain. Mm-hmm. That he is at work in all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's all going to work out, mm-hmm. but he doesn't waste pain, mm-hmm. regardless of how it comes. Mm-hmm. The moment you can resolve to that, mm-hmm. uh, you're probably better positioned to then learn whatever it is you need to learn and continue mm-hmm. to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you were saying earlier, you know, about like he's a good dad and it's not that he's waiting to crush you out of some kind of malicious intent, but there are times when he knows the best thing for you is something that's not going to make you happy temporarily, uh, but it is going to be for the long term. It's like with our own kids, right? Like there's things that you do for your kids or withhold from your kids because you know it's the best and from their perspective, it's the worst. (laughs) If you're a believer and Jesus paid it all, that means that God is not punitive mm-hmm. in his judgment mm-hmm. of your current sinfulness. Mm-hmm. However, he doesn't always rescue you from your, the natural consequences of right. sin or dumb decisions. Right. We know John 9, mm-hmm. blind guy, disciples are like, who sinned? Him, his parents, somebody had to sin. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus is like, nope, for yeah. my glory, watch. Yeah. Spits yeah, on the yeah. ground, makes a mud pie, guy yeah. can see. <laughs> yeah. So so we like, that's it. That's the definitive answer on does God punish, like mm-hmm. did his mama sin and now she's got a blind mm-hmm. kid? Nope. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not punitive that way. That's mm-hmm. not how he works. Yeah. However, you make dumb decisions, you win dumb prizes. That's mm-hmm. just true. Yeah. 
Like if you spend money you don't have, God is not cursing you. You just have debt, mm-hmm. and that's dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that w- I would say that's one of the things, even in my own life, where that that belief that's kind of a cultural ethic of if you God blesses good people, you know, like so there's that misunderstanding, even in the church and even in my own my own life, there's that tendency of just like, hey, God must be punishing me if bad things are happening, and if I would just do the good things, then He would owe me something. My mind there goes. My mind goes there immediately. Yeah, it's my theology goes out the window in one second yeah. when you introduce pain. Not so much to me. That's weird, man. Mm-hmm. Like if it's something happens to me, I'm like, of course, no problem. Mm-hmm. But man, you let it, one of my kids get hurt or something not go well there. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I go into this. Look, JP plays football right now. Mm-hmm. He's doing awesome. He gets hurt, mm-hmm. not major, just like a little injury. He's got to miss a game, and I go to like. Am I idolizing football? And that's why the Lord's <laughs> take. Yeah. And then you say it out loud, and you're like, I sound like, like that version of God sounds like a sicko. Mm-hmm. You know, right. like I'll show you. You know, mm-hmm. he pulls this string, and JP hurts something. That's yeah. So one, literally, one of the things that helps me is when I think I'm having kind of like funky thoughts about God, mm-hmm. say them out loud. Mm-hmm. Like let you hear. So the, where I got this from is when I used to do counseling, which is the Terrible idea for me to do anybody's counseling. <laughs> and they would come in saying something. I, like, I would say, just, hold on, say what you're, say this out loud. Like, mm-hmm. they're trying to justify some sin in their life, mm-hmm. right? Right. And, uh, that, well, I would just put it on the table. There was a guy one time at our church trying to justify why him looking at pornography was okay. Right. And I was like, all right, here's, I just want you to say this out loud. While my wife is asleep in our bed, it's okay for me to look at other naked women in the living room. And he was like, I can't say that. I'm like, <laughs> you can't see how crazy it sounds? Right. And he's like, yeah, it sounds crazy. I'm like, because it's crazy. You can't do that. Okay. So when my mind goes to like, God, are you punishing me? Right. And I, I literally yeah. verbalize it to then just, mm. it sounds so shocking mm. yeah. to all the other things mm. I hear about the character and nature of God that it helps me identify, all right, man, that's the enemy is trying to whisper some crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, legalism. It can have some deep roots, man. Totally. <laughs> it's hard to hard to let go or figure out. Um, I know we both love C.S. Lewis, and uh, you know, in the Shadowlands, everybody saw that movie. Or, but I don't. You remember he was? They asked C.S. Lewis, you know, through the time that his wife died and all of his suffering, did he ever was he ever afraid that he would lose lose his faith mm. in God? Will he lose his faith in God? And he said. Uh, uh, I didn't think I'd ever lose my faith in God. I was a little worried about who I'd find out he really was. Mm. Meaning that I think so many times when it comes to suffering, particularly, we are trying to make God a human being, That's right. a, a finite being. Mm. And it's like we both, you know, Joby and I hunt, we have bird dogs. And, you know, it's funny, people with dogs, they try and give them human emotions, you know, yes. like, well, he's just, you know, he's insecure, whatever. <laughs> he's hungry, <laughs> whatever it might be. And, and but this idea that yeah. uh, if you start from, uh, I serve, what's the, you know, like a good, any great movie, I serve at the pleasure of the king, right? Yeah. I serve, I serve my king. Mm-hmm. And I believe that my king, my savior, has my best interest in mind. And so when I walk into suffering, I'm in the flow of what God is doing. Mm. And I can either choose to be like, you're mean, or why would you do this to me, or what have I done? Mm. Or I can just say, 
you know better. Mm. And I know that at the end of the day, your word has told me that you have my best in mind. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to grind it Mm. until I get to where if even in, if I don't even get it in this life, yeah. I'm going to grind it to the end mm. because I am completely in with trusting you and where you're leading me. Yeah. So something I thought of while I was preaching that I said, <laughs> it, it occurred to me to the, for the first time, literally while I'm preaching, that God's answer to Jesus's prayer was silence. Mm-hmm. And he's, so sometimes mm-hmm. it's God's legitimate answer to your plea mm-hmm. is that he doesn't answer. Mm-hmm. And then something I just thought of right now that I will add to the sermon next time. And Jesus, every time he returns, because he prays two more times, he continues to call him Father or Abba. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't change who he knows God to be because he's not getting the answer Mm -hmm. that he wanted to get. Yeah, And he doesn't change his prayer. That's right. He prays the the same same thing thing. over and over again. I think he would have kept going past three if they didn't come get him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's not not thinking, if I could just say the right words. Right, right, right. It's like we've talked about recently, like people who say, well, my God would never do that. And I think that might be what's meant by don't make God in, in an image. You're making him in your own image. That's right. You're saying you're, you're projecting your own limitations onto him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he says in verse 39, um, my soul is sorrowful unto death. Or maybe it's a little earlier than that. So, how do you experience the connection, Pastor Joby, of your mental and spiritual life and your body? Because he, he's connecting the two there, right? Yeah. So it's a very Western idea that we are these like bifurcated people. Right. You know, brains on a stick. Right. And, but, and then it creeps into the church because, you know, people talk about body, mind, and soul as if they're like three distinct, separate. Mm-hmm. But we are like one psychosomatic being created in the image of God. And though we have different parts, we're still one. Like there's one God in three persons, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I think for a long time, the church did not pay very close attention to things like mental health or even physical health. Yeah. It was just like, if my soul's right with the Lord, everything's okay. Fried chicken. But Jesus here physically is falling down on his face and mm-hmm. is physically sweating like drops of blood. Mm-hmm. And it is a soul issue. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people have ever really considered, I could see it in the faces of so many people mm-hmm. when I said, if you've struggled with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, Jesus can empathize with you because mm-hmm. he knows what it feels like at the soul level to mm-hmm. feel like he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And he sees you, he hears you, he loves you, mm-hmm. you know? People need to hear that. Yeah. When Hebrews says we got a high priest that can empathize, it's just kind of this is some of the stuff that we're talking about here. Yeah. And I uh, thought that was like a palatable moment in the service tonight when you said those words. You could really sense that yeah. that there was because it's it's either you or somebody you know, mm-hmm. right? For all of us. Right. And I do. I would, I would encourage you to continue to to say those words to these people? Well, I had a particular person in mind. I mean, I met a teenage girl last weekend, and um, she had been hospitalized for a for an attempt to take her life. Mm. And, and, and that's just one that I've met out of the tens sure. of thousands of people that will be here this weekend. Sure. And so mm. as often as I can, I want to just like throw out the lifesaver, who is mm. Jesus, but be like, listen, we see you, we love you, we mm. want to help. Please, mm. please, Jesus knows how you feel. Mm-hmm. He gets you. Yeah. We probably 
all heard stories of people who were pushing it too hard and then not listening to any warning signs until their body finally said, that's enough. And Jeff, you mentioned earlier, not not burnout, but overheated. Yeah. Was your was your body sending you any signals during that time that were red flags? <laughs> My wife would tell you that I was falling asleep at very <laughs> inordinate times, meals, et cetera. Wow. And um, I think that I, for me, uh, and this is something I still, you know, like I still battle with is like sleeping good and and I don't know if you all do this, man, but it's like when I lay down at night, sometimes my brain really kicks into overdrive, mm-hmm. thinking about whether stuff I've held at bay all day or whatever. And right. and really trying to like end days where I'm just, you know, my wife will always say, you know, it doesn't help you to watch Netflix. <laughs> like right. I'm just trying to slow it down a little bit. Right. But I think that uh, place where you can get, to me, there's, there's moments in my day where I don't even... I don't. I, I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit put in my heart, or it's just me knowing like a best practices of following Jesus for a long time. Mm-hmm. But just to, to just like surrender whatever I'm jammed up about at that mm-hmm. moment, you know. Mm-hmm. And again, sometimes I'll do it if I'm alone in the car. I just sometimes say out loud what I'm worried about, or what mm-hmm. I'm struggling with, or what's causing me stress, mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's so interesting you said that, Joby, because I think there is something about verbalizing. Uh, yeah. what you feel that mm-hmm. both makes it sound ridiculous sometimes mm-hmm. and also adds authenticity mm-hmm. to it. I think that's one of the reasons that even praying, like what I watched at church tonight when you guys prayed for people and anointed them and you know I could hear where Jan and I were sitting, I could hear like 20 prayers going on uh, mm-hmm. and just like this kind of vocal out loud Speaking of truth, I just think it's a super powerful practice that we need to continue to pursue. Mm-hmm. And we're, we've been in this year of worship, and so you spent several weeks talking about f- physical expressions of worship to God. Talked about prayer tonight and Jesus' words, you know, watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. Do, is it, do you see a connection, Pastor Joby, of um, the things that you've led us through about worship and about you know, kind of like your soul making these vocalizings and the way your hands move and and because worship really is sung prayers, right? And so how would you connect prayer with like the need to get something out of your body almost like what Jeff is saying? Well, I also think that um, prayer is some serious soul work Mm -hmm. and prayer is also warfare, and in Ephesians chapter 6, which is kind of the preeminent text on spiritual warfare and put on the whole armor of God. So once he gets done with all the pieces of armor, and then he says, and take this, the word, which is the sword of the spirit, mm-hmm. right? And then he says, and pray continually. Mm-hmm. So we better be in prayer mm-hmm. uh in these moments for the sake of our soul. Because the reality is, look, we did this with the one initiative for two years, man. The God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul, your mind, and your strength. Yeah. So you lift your hands in worship. You pour out your soul. You pour out your heart. You mm-hmm. take thoughts captive. All of those things are important in what it means to love God mm-hmm. with all. Yeah. And so it's not just a soul issue. Yeah, It's a heart, mind, and body issue also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're one person. Can I jump in here too and say, if we have any, if there's like pastors or people in ministry that are listening, um, you know, Joby and I have done a lot of great stuff together in our dear friends, 
If I tell you, there are two times when this man is all in. One is karaoke, because <laughs> uh, there's no other way. I kid about that. But you, my friend, he lead. He knows all the words to Ice Ice Baby. That's right. <laughs> but you lead, you lead in worship in front of people. Amen. You don't care what people think. It's not show-offy. It's authentic. And That's I right. think that um, I think that, that kind of... I think that kind of authenticity from a leader mm-hmm. uh, is, even though there's a lot of reasons to not do it, there's a lot of justifications to be like, whatever, I got to keep it together, I'm the whatever, the leader, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I just think your kind of abandonment when it comes to worship is like, I think it's inspiring. Yeah. And I'd encourage leaders out there and pastors out there that hear this to consider doing the same mm-hmm. thing. Maybe just you know get prepared enough that you don't have to be working through your sermon right before you go on or you don't mm-hmm. stop stressing about time and lights and blah, 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 and just be present in the moment. I think when our leaders worship the way that they desire their congregation to, I think Mm. that's a powerful example, and this guy does that. That's so good. So speaking of mental health, somebody is listening, and they're wondering, should I just pray more, or do I need like professional help? You need, let's go back to the Shema, heart, soul, mind, and strength. You've got to attack mental health or physical health or spiritual health from all angles. Mm -hmm. So if you think about heart, like relationships, what kind of relationships do you have in your life? Are they good? Are they healthy? Do they build you up? Do they point towards Jesus? Because think about this. In Jesus's dark hour, he's like, can y'all come with me? Mm -hmm. So if the Son of God, who is one with the Father, looks at some bros and is like, Mm -hmm. hey, man, can y'all stay awake with me? Mm -hmm then surely you and mm. I need mm. a band of brothers around mm. us. Okay, so this this relationship. Soul is that, like the thing you come to church for and the thing you go to disciple group for and you pray about mm. and you read in your Bible. If you don't handle this on a spiritual level, mm. you will never be complete. I don't care how much medicine you take and how many meetings you go to. Mm. But there's also the mind. Mm-hmm. So you have to think right thoughts and read right things. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of study on how to take care of the human condition. Mm-hmm. And then also strength. Yeah. So counseling, I would say for sure. And if you had a broken foot, you'd put a cast on it. And if you got a broke brain, you need to probably take something for it. Let mm-hmm. the experts help you. Yeah. Every good and perfect gift is from above. God is the great physician. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a supernatural miraculous touch and the chains fall off. Glory mm-hmm. to God. We pray for that. And sometimes mm-hmm. he says, I hear your prayer and answer it. Take this pill. It's people, prayers, and pills, man. That's mm-hmm. how God works. Mm-hmm. And so doctors, medicine, technology, mm-hmm. what's crazy is what we would have called a miracle 100 years ago, we call a procedure today. Mm-hmm. It's all God's grace, man, mm-hmm. right? So there's no shame in any and all of those. And I think it's required for us to live a, a unified, healthy life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You were just talking, and and I was just reminded of, so often when I read the Bible, I don't attach any, I don't take the time to attach tone to it. Like when you say, how Jesus asked, would you watch and pray with me? We, we think, would you watch and pray with me for one? You know, you think just sort of, a, you think no emotion sometimes with Jesus, but... Yeah. Uh, it's good to use your imagination sometimes and think, yeah. was he pl- was he pleading? I mean, sure, he was sorrowful. He was just like, hey, would you would you wait w- wait with me? You know, like yeah. Uh, well, so I was teaching our um, our ministry licensing class. Okay. Is that what I was at? Something I don't know. Maybe. I feel like you're in charge of it. And so <laughs> I was teaching them this week on preaching. So it's like twenty 
people in ministry. Right, right. And one of the first questions was like, how do you do that thing when you like bring to life the story? That's what the person asked the question. I was like, mm-hmm. well, first of all, if you quit thinking about it like a story, that'll help you because it's not a story. Mm-hmm. Like this is an event. Mm-hmm. Like the Garden of Gethsemane is a place. Peter, mm-hmm. James, and John were actual dudes. They had a hair color. They had a, they were certain heights, whatever they were. And so when I'm thinking through the event, mm-hmm. I kind of think, hopefully, like with a surrender to the Lord, hopefully this is God-glorifying, Holy Spirit-led imagination. Mm-hmm. All right, how would he say it? Mm-hmm. How would he say it? I, I think I know how I would say it, and I'm not trying to say he's going to say it like I would, right. but I would be a little frustrated after the third time. Come on, man. You can't stay awake for just an hour, mm-hmm. you know? When he feels like he does not have a, like the mm-hmm. British accent, the old school <laughs> Jesus movie, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not, man. Mm-hmm. I think he's sorrowful unto death. Mm-hmm. I think he's crying out if there be any other way. Mm-hmm. And I think it helps. It helps me to see that as I read the scripture mm-hmm. and be reminded this actually happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So you uh, unpacked these four different groups in the sermon. You know, that there's, I kind of took these four different players and said, there's, there's Judas. There are, like, so th- three of them are saying, my will goes before Jesus' will, right. but it's in a slightly different way. Correct. So walk through that again and remind us of those different people. Because you, you started to describe each one, which I think was the most, because you read the, the names, oh, Judas, the soldiers, or Peter, and you think there's a level of detachment from yourself. But if you think about the quali- qualifiers, in but not in, uh, actively opposed, right. uh, good intentions, but really selfish. You know, like, For sure. So, I mean... The way I would say it, Judas scares me to death yeah. because we pastor a big, growing church, mm-hmm. and he was around Jesus mm-hmm. and didn't know Jesus, mm-hmm. and he was basically saying, my will be done, mm-hmm. but I'm going to hang out with you to get what I can from you. Mm. That's a lot of church folk, man. Consumer. Um, I think our culture smells a lot like the Roman army right now. Mm-hmm. It's my will be done. Who in the world do you think you are mm-hmm. to try to tell us what we can and can't do? Mm-hmm. So as the as Caesar thought he was Lord, well, the, the self-actualized, self-identified American thinks they're Lord right now. Mm-hmm. And they are actually anti-Christ. Who, are, who do you think you are, author and creator of all things, mm-hmm. to tell me who I am or who I can be with or any anything? I see a lot of similarities there. Mm. But then it would be real easy for us to be like, yep, those pagans, you know what I mean? Those fake Christians in this pagan world. But then mm-hmm. there's a bunch of people that are like the Apostle Peter, mm-hmm. and they're believers, they're going to heaven, but there's a lot of my will be done too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this is like the they think they have the right intentions, and they're really fundamentalist in their approach in that being right is more important than than. Mm-hmm. any kind of relationship or demonstrating the love of Christ. And I'm just telling you, one of the things I have in mind are all of the all of the ministries out there that are just chopping everybody's ear off mm-hmm. to protect Jesus, as if Jesus needs to be protected from anything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then you got one guy saying, not my will, your will be done. Mm-hmm. My favorite part of your song is the Garden of Gethsemane part. Yeah. I mean, just I'm just telling you. 
the way you keep singing, you know, your will, not mine. I mean, because that's it. And especially when you look at will, meaning like what you want, wish, desire. Mm-hmm. And then First Timothy 2, 3 to 6 says mm-hmm. that the will of God is that all would be saved. Mm-hmm. And so that's what he, Jesus is saying. He's like, all right, that. Mm-hmm. Now, if we can do this without me dying, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. But there's no way. Uh, I hope I don't jump on one of your questions. But I love the part of the sermon tonight when you talked about how people are generally okay with Jesus as a person. Right. And that, uh, but then when it comes to this, this message of him being, you know, the way, the truth, and the life, that, that he is the way to mm-hmm. the Father, that all, that all of a sudden becomes, you know, discriminatory and right. non-inclusive mm-hmm. and, and those things. And, but this idea, and I'm, I, I made the connection in a way tonight, whether you intended it or not, but that, I mean, it was like Jesus, who is the way, was understanding through his father at that moment that he was making him the way and it was going to cost him everything and he was going to be the only way. Mm. And so it's like we get the chance to be able to participate in that. <laughs> you like, right. see, I was listening. Yeah. You to, to participate in that covering, that mm. sacrifice and forgiveness. Well, and again, so, you know, I, I was thinking just in the conversations that I have with the people that I live life and I'm around where they're just like, yeah, Christianity is awesome and Jesus is awesome, but there's a lot of awesome out there, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it is incumbent upon us in a loving way mm-hmm. to remind our world what Jesus said and not what we said. Correct. Because if we love people, that's what we're mm-hmm. going to do. So I love that part tonight and it really impacted me. Mm-hmm. And a big part of what I'm trying to do is equip people to get their minds around, hmm. well, uh, so why did Jesus have to die? Why can't God just forgive? Right. I would forgive, you know? Right. So that's yeah. why we, yeah. you know, God is holy, perfection is required. Jesus lived the perfect life. And the greatest deal in the history of all eternity is gracefully made available to you. Mm-hmm. Will you just take the deal? Substitutionary atonement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have, I mean, Joby and I have a friend who lost their home in the hurricane in Sanibel. Mm. And another couple that you don't know that's friends of mine stayed in their house and really thought they were going to lose their lives, you know? Mm. And that image that you used tonight of the wall of water coming, you know, I'm sitting next to this girl. They lost their home and their business and their house literally lifted up off of its foundations and floated away and broke in half. And that, so that image was so fresh to me, and I, and I know to her, uh, that that wall of water is coming, that judgment is coming towards us, mm. and this provision uh, stops it. It was just really, it was powerful, and I know there are people, we all, many of us have friends that, mm-hmm. that suffered through that, but I thought that particular image was very timely tonight. Mm. Pastor Joby, you have uh, an amazing heart to reach people. Um, that's why we do everything we're doing here at the church. That's right. And um, I heard a sermon recently from Pastor Kwan this past week about missional living. And one of the things he was talking about was the reality of hell. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about the cup of the wrath of God, maybe think of Jesus' words that the wrath of God remains. Like if, if you don't, 
if you don't go this one way, the wrath of God remains on you. And I think with the way that kind of the language that we're talking about with people saying, I'm, I'm okay with Jesus, they're also not thinking about hell as real, mm-hmm. you know? So, how do, how, do you, how do you keep that urgency and you know, what goes on in your heart and mind when you think about the wrath of God that remains on people who don't accept this, this covering? Does that make sense? It does, man. I am way more motivated by the kindness of God. I am way more like, you know, I say it all the time. I can't get over the gospel. I can't believe he'd say me. I, I know what I deserve. I know it. Mm. And the fact that I was spared from it, mm. I can't help but share it. Mm. I used to tell our, when I did student ministry, and I'm trying to get this reality of hell, I'm like, if I'm just telling you guys, if I could put you in a bus, and for just one half of one second, we could drive down there and dip and see it and feel it and scratch, mm. you know, the, whether it's the active wrath of God eternally punishing or it's the active absence of God and that's what the greatest punishment is. Mm. I don't know. You could probably fight either way, but either way, whichever one is the worst, that's what the one it is. Mm-hmm. The moment you came back out of there, you would immediately run to all the people that you love so much and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I need, can we talk? Mm-hmm. I love you so much. I want to spare you mm. of this. Can we, can we, can we? Mm. And we all lose a sense of that kind of the urgency of eternity, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like the, the unbelief of the unbeliever causes them to not believe in that reality of hell. And then sometimes the safety of the Christian, you know, the, the, the fact that I'm good, I'm going to be spared, that can, that can cause us to, to not feel it as much. One of the things, like a like a conversation that I've had with folks mm-hmm. that are either what they they would call themselves like progressive Christians, which there's no such thing. There's like orthodox right. and lost, but whatever. <laughs> uh, so, even somebody, if you can get your head around the idea that okay, there's there could be a God, and He could be perfect, mm-hmm. it it makes sense to most people if you dig past just kind of the, a couple layers of the surface, mm-hmm. and He would judge sin, right? You know, okay. So then what would it take for your sin to be forgiven? If you get to that question mm-hmm. versus the like, well, I believe in God, it's just going to let everybody in. Okay, then what do you, so do you believe in an unjust judge? The My favorite illustration to use there is think of the worst thing that could happen to your child. Let's say your mm-hmm. child was raped and murdered by somebody mm-hmm. and and it was on video. So there was, it's for sure them. And then the judge dismissed it, said, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think that was a grace-filled judge. Mm-hmm. You would think that was an evil, unjust judge. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So you, too, have this sense of righteousness and justice. Mm-hmm. Same, same. It's even greater, though, yeah. with God, right? Yeah. So then how does your sin get forgiven? Mm-hmm. Like, what Jesus is saying is, if it's possible, mm-hmm. what? what's the it? If people can be made right with you, without your wrath being satisfied. Mm-hmm. Take the cup. The answer of silence is it is not possible mm. that there has to be a perfect substitute mm-hmm. that all sin must be paid for. Mm. Because all of the things I listed, like, you know, as I'm putting words in Jesus' mouth, hypothetically mm-hmm. saying, if you can obey the Ten Commandments, if you right. can align your chakra, if you can plug your ponytail into the fern, whatever it is the commonality in all of those, it's all Mm, works-based. Like, so you mean to tell me Mm. your salvation is up to you and how good you can be. Mm -hmm. Very few people will actually be like, yeah, that's what I think. Mm. 
but but when you get down to granular about okay, so then tell me in your worldview how does salvation happen? Mm-hmm. It, it gets real like well, yeah. mm. you know, there literally is only one way. Yeah. Or even in the like the you know a lot of like again progressive Christians want to abolish hell. Mm-hmm. So then what is the point of Jesus dying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and if you say as an example, for what? Mm-hmm. That doesn't save anybody. Mm-hmm. So, and if you just say to demonstrate my love for you, okay, Jonathan, if, if you were drowning mm-hmm. and I jump in off the pier and into the water and mm-hmm. and lose my life by saving you, I am in a sense your savior mm-hmm. because you were drowning. If you're just sitting on the dock and I go, this is how much I love you, and I just jump in the water and drown for no reason, mm-hmm. I'm just a fool, yeah, not a savior. Yeah, you have to be saved from something. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really good. Well, Jesus is a model for us. He wasn't just a model, but he is also a model. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things you laid out so beautifully is that he he was the model of total surrender of his will to the Father. So, a, little, a, a personal question here: What's an area that you guys find it difficult to? Lay down your will to the Father. Oh man, so doozy! <laughs> I can tell you, we need we need part two for me to get into all of it. But uh, like a like a you know, Let me count the ways. Top of the top of layer would be, uh, and this is even this on the next thing. Part of what built into that as I was working on it was you know, man, I I'm I worry a lot. Mm-hmm. I worry about. All kinds of stuff. Not not so much like giant stuff, which is interesting. I worry about a lot of minutia stuff, mm. you know. Like, you know, am I my kids gonna be like I know God loves my kids and he's gonna take care of them and but man, I sure hope my daughter gets home safe tonight. Or you know, and it's and sometimes it it moves beyond any kind of trust and it's just like and so like one of mm. two things. One is I guess it's a control thing, right? It's mm. that I want to somehow be able to get my arms around the mm. things that matter to me and protect mm. them. Mm. And the other thing is, is like when I mine down into, like worry is an example, when I mine into it, like I come up with one thing, I don't trust him. Mm. I don't trust God's mm. care for me. Yeah. <laughs> Even though never failed me, never betrayed me, you know, yeah. never walked away from me, no matter how I've treated him. And so uh, like... You know, I'm I'm in this process. I've been in this process, particularly, you know, a few years ago. I was just like, man, I'm I'm dealing with so many fundamental things that I have been at my whole life, and I can write songs about it. I can talk about it. I can make very convincing conversation about it. But if it's if it's still got a hold in my life, I've got to fix that by letting God take over these these places, you know? And so, but like worry would be one of those things where I'm just, I've really just said, all right, if I, you know, if I trust you, then I trust you mm-hmm. and I'm gonna surrender this stuff to you. And then all, some of these other conversations you have, it's not about nothing bad ever gonna happen. Mm-hmm. It's that he's with us when the, when the hard happens right. and we can walk into that hard stuff. So that's one of mine. Joby, what you got? All right, so I'm the worst. This is gonna be hard to describe, but like, what is what happens though? Like when my will is pretty good too, okay? Yeah. 
So like I get my life all set up the way I want it, you know, and it's good. It's not like I'm not selling drugs to kids and, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> preaching, I'm running a church, I'm serving. Um, if you look at my calendar, it's a lot of good things. I'm taking mm-hmm. guys hunting, I'm discipling people. Okay, it's all that kind of stuff, right? And then that will be done is be willing to lay it all down for the sake of your family or whatever, mm. you know? And I'm like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. If you guys could just like attach in on, like mm. I've got you slotted in here, man. Like if you mm. guys could just attach in here, and that's way different though. Mm-hmm. That's mm. different than love love your wife as Christ loved the church yeah. and lay down your life for her. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's a place where, I've got to consistently say, not my will. Because, again, I had it all scheduled, yeah. got all the trips in order. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It makes me think of, like, the idols in our hearts, right? It's like you constantly like, – surrender is kind of like pushing that idol away. So if it's an idol of fear or if it's an idol of control, to say thy will be done is to say you're, you're the one who's on the throne, yeah. not this idol. Well, we talk a lot about – um, in our church, taking next steps. Like we always want to say, what's your next step? It's a question we ask often. You, know, yeah. you see it online, see on the website, in services, all that. And one of the things I love about this series is the next thing is about taking the next step. And so uh, how would you encourage, I would, I would just love to ask you, Pastor Joe, would you encourage those listening about that walk? Because you said before that disciples walk. And so if you're not moving, then... You're not following. Yeah, if you're not taking steps, by definition, you can't be following. That's right. That's right. So, give so it- if if you haven't checked out the discipleship journey on yes. our website, yes. that is a practical tool mm-hmm. with the cross in the middle built around our vision statement that we're a movement mm-hmm. for all people to discover a deep in relationship with Jesus. There's some diagnostic questions there that can help you just take one more step. Mm-hmm. And I would highly encourage you to not try to take 12 steps right. at a time. Mm-hmm. To just, just what is it? Is mm-hmm. if, if you're not in a disciple group, maybe that's your step. Mm-hmm. It may be Gretchen just started a brand new group. That was great. And it, it actually came out of writing the Devo. She mm-hmm. had so much feedback and stuff. And yeah. so she put together a group of women and opened up our house. And, you know, and, and, and the, the fruit that comes out of obedience in and of itself mm. is is so worth it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. So that's it. We really try to set up these environments. I mean, mm-hmm. we pay a lot of people that spend all day, every day here working to mm-hmm. create environments that people can take mm-hmm. clear next steps to help them continue to deepen their relationship with Jesus and discover yeah. who they are in Christ. Right. So that diagnostic tool, and also the way we put it together is – when we first started it, I did it in such a way. The idea was if I if if you were in my disciple group or mm-hmm. I was in your disciple group and I were to say, Vinky, what do I do next? Mm-hmm. That you would sit down with a napkin, you draw the triangle, cross mm-hmm. in the middle, and be like, All right, all people discovers deepens. Let me ask mm-hmm. you a few questions right. and I and and maybe God will reveal. Mm-hmm. So all of us can take one of those kind of progressive progressively sanctifying steps. Mm-hmm. Then there's that still small voice. Mm-hmm. Sell it all, move to Nashville. Yeah. If that's what you think God's telling you to do, you know, leave the church you were out, come to this one, plan a new church, whatever it is, man. And the only way I know to tell you there is you better abide in Him. Mm. Yeah. And that means like stay close, mm-hmm. 
really, really cultivate that relationship. Mm-hmm. Tune your ear to the voice of the shepherd mm-hmm. so that you could sense when when he's putting that thing in you, that still small voice, but yeah. it, it, it might be unexplainable, but it's undeniable. Mm. Get some wise counsel around you. We're back there again. Make sure it always lines up with his word. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, bro, you just got to pray yes and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just got to do it. One of the things I loved, Jeff, that in the in the conversation between you guys in the videos that we've been showing is you said something about your closest uh, walk with the Lord hasn't been these huge jumps. Mm-hmm. It's been these small steps of next thing, next yeah. thing, next thing, next thing. And... It's beautiful that oftentimes our discipleship journey is pretty ordinary, mm-hmm. and Jesus wants to meet meet us there. Um, well, if you guys don't have anything else to add, should we wrap up? Yeah, man. Would you like to pray for us, Pastor Joby? Yeah, I'd love to. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for friendship and for faith, um, for family, church family, all mm-hmm. gifts from you. Mm-hmm. And so, Lord, I thank you the way you have weaved this together here, that the three of us would be here, that people from all over would be hopefully blessed by this, encouraged by this. Mm-hmm. And, Lord, I pray. I pray the words of that song. Um, the next thing might be easy. It might be hard. It might take us all over the place. might leave us right where we are. But there's some real wisdom, true wisdom, is just trusting you with like a childlike kind of faith mm-hmm. and then doing the next thing. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.